0: Lord God, we thank you for this privilege of gathering as your people. Thank you, O oh God, that you have given us time and space to come together and worship. God, I'm grateful that in the midst of busy lives, that our brothers and sisters thought it was worthwhile to come and lift up your holy name. And Father, today with one voice and with one collective sound, we declare that you are great. That you are greater than any any ruler, any power, any principality. God, you are great. That you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. God, you are great. God, we've searched high and low. We've given ourselves to all sorts of things before, hoping to feel loved and known and cared for. But God, there is nothing. There is no one like you. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to speak to us, continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is doing among us. Father, we love you, and we're grateful that you first loved us. So be with us now and in Jesus' name. People of God, join me by saying amen. Amen. Good morning, Sanctuary. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you and share as we continue in worship today. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Edron Lee, pastor here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church, and I am so grateful to, uh, to just get a few minutes as we continue in worship to um, speak to a topic that we've been on for the last several weeks. We have been in a series called Selfies. Selfies, a walk through the book of 2nd Corinthians. And we actually want to use today, Energent Sunday, uh, to bring that, that series to a close. And so if you have Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and open them up to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, looking at verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at verses 9 and 10. We won't read it right now, but I just would love for you to have it when we jump into it. I actually want to begin today by telling you about one of my heroes. One of my first heroes was the incredible Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the GOAT. Michael Jordan was and is the single greatest basketball player of all times. That debate has been settled. (laughs) He was LeBron James before there was ever a LeBron James. What made Michael the GOAT was that he was practically unbeatable on the court. He refused to lose. Michael Jordan won won six world championships with the NBA Chicago Bulls. And every time they went to the finals, he was our finals MVP, which meant he was the best player on the court for the team that won. He was league MVP multiple times, defensive player of the year multiple times, which means he did his thing not only on the offensive end, but also the defensive end of the the court. Michael Jordan was larger than life, the largest athletic superstar the world had known at that time, and he became synonymous with winning. He simply refused to lose. If you grew up in that era, even if you were grown, even if you were a grown man, there's a good chance that you wanted to be like Mike. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see, that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove. Like Mike. If I could be like Mike. I wanna be, I wanna be like Mike. (laughs) I thought you guys were gonna help me out in the second service, like. (laughs) I desperately wanted to be like Mike. To be honest, I wanted to be Mike. Because Mike was a winner. Because Mike was a winner, Mike got movie deals and shoe contracts. And he was constantly mobbed everywhere he went by adoring fans. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the GOAT, was a legend. And as a kid growing up poor in the country down in South Carolina, it was easy for me to tell myself that everything that I could ever want in this life could be mine if I could just be like Mike if I could win enough, if I could get people to look at me the way they looked at Mike, if I could just take over the world on a basketball court, I thought I could be somebody the world would love. I thought that maybe someday, down in the country somewhere, a kid would sing a song about me, like Edrin. <laughs> if I could be like Edrin, I want to be, I want to be like Edrin. I want to go on record and say that has not happened yet. (laughs) In fact, I got cut from my sophomore year basketball team in high school. Pray for me. (laughs) But I realized I may never get that commercial, and it may never happen, and I'm okay with that. Do you know why? Because since that time, since my coach escorted me off the court as a sophomore, (laughs) I've discovered a lot about God, and I've discovered a lot more about myself. I've learned that God calls me, and yes, God calls you, to live lives of real significance. And that significance has nothing to do with adoring fans. That significance that God calls us to has nothing to do with superstardom. That significance has nothing to do with commercials, although if anybody has the hookup on some Jordans, let's talk after service. That significance has nothing to do with being fixated on winning or success or looking like a success. Brothers and sisters, God calls us to a place where every part of our lives, both the wins and the losses, the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly serve a kingdom purpose. And because God works through the good stuff and the bad stuff, We are today free to be honest with ourselves and honest with other people. The joy of freedom is that there's no more pretending. There's no more putting on a show. Yes, we are to be grateful for our strengths and our gifts, but as we will discuss in these few moments today, we are called to be honest also about our weaknesses. Our message today is simply titled, I am weak. I am strong. I am weak. I am strong. So if you have Bibles, could you open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses nine and 10? It'll also appear on the screen for us as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses nine and 10. Here's what the word of God says. "'But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, "'for my power is made perfect in weakness.'" Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ, Christ's power, may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong." The last several weeks we've been in this series called Selfies, and we've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians as Paul writes a letter to the believers gathered there in the city of Corinth. And we've used this series as an opportunity to remind us today that we live in a selfie world. Not only is the world a selfie world, we have selfie hearts. We have hearts that are content, intent on on having people look at us and love us and think our lives are something that they're not. Because we live in in a selfie world and because we have selfie hearts, even in the church, we are tempted by a few things. We are tempted to put filters on our lives. We're tempted to crop out the messy parts of our relationships. We are tempted to fade and color and saturate our true feelings. Someone sent me a message a few weeks ago and said, Pastor Edwin, does this mean you are now anti-selfie? I love a good selfie. But what I am opposed to is that unhealthy pressure that this world puts on us and that we put on ourselves to project a false image of who we are and what we are doing. And so the good news for us today, regardless of your age, is that it's not your job to always look like a winner stop sucking in that stomach. It's not your job to always look like you are strong. There's something far more wonderful for us as God's children than simply being able to look like a winner or convince people that we are strong. God invites us today, and I'm inviting you today to keep it all the way real. And God says, you can do this because my promise to you is my grace is sufficient. Sufficient is just a big word that means enough. God God tells Paul and Paul tells us today, God's grace is enough for us. We don't need to walk around pretending. We don't need to walk around putting on because God's grace is sufficient for us. It's enough for us. God's grace is enough to hold us when we can't hold ourselves. God's grace is enough to strengthen us when all our strength is gone. God's grace is enough to comfort us and cause us to stand when the world keeps knocking us down. Is there anybody in this room who's ever felt like the entire world is against you? that you're trying to do the right thing. And it seems that on every turn, something is opposing you. God says to us today as a loving father would that my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. My grace will sustain you when it seems like the world is against you. God's grace is enough to give us victory when it looks like we've been defeated. Even when we've given up, when we've tried to quit, God's grace is sufficient enough that he keeps us when we have given up. God says, I'll see you through every one of life's trials, and my grace is so sufficient that I will make your trials work for your good. God's grace is sufficient to see us through this life and ensure that we receive the life that is to come. All throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, God's servant, was being pressured by people to boast more, to brag more, to be a bit more braggadocious, to be a bit more elegant, to be a bit more entertaining. He was being pressured to downplay his sufferings because they said, this will make your ministry look weak. But at the very same time, Paul was being pressured to sensationalize his upside. And isn't that the spirit of social media that many of us feel trapped in these days? that I can't say what's really happening in my life. I can only give this highlight reel, and there are people out there being mad at you because you're living a highlight reel. They're looking at your highlight reel and comparing that to the day-to-day of their life. And if you are tired of trying to keep up with the false image in church or online, Paul's message to you is that my grace, God's grace, is sufficient. Paul saw that the Corinthians were missing the essence of the gospel because they were so so concerned with the me-centered materialism, and Paul refused to play the game. And so he said to them very clearly, all throughout this book, I am weak, I have weaknesses, I've been insulted. I have faced some hardships. I've been persecuted. I've had some difficulties. I am weak, but right there in the midst of my weakness, I want you to know because of God's grace, I am strong. Paul doesn't say I'm weak and then when I get strong, God's grace will be shown in my life. He says right there in my weakness, you can see the grace and strength of God. Paul says to us today, I am weak. I am strong. I am weak. I am strong. I am weak. I am strong because Christ's power rests on me. Brothers and sisters, that's good news for you and me today. That's good news because we get to say the same thing. The fact is that we are actually weak, but in Christ Jesus, we are strong this selfie world that we live in, has told us that the highest aim of our life is to get as many people as possible to look at us, to tell us, for us to tell them where we've been, where we've vacationed, what we're driving, what school we went to. We even spend energy getting people to envy us. But God's word says the highest aim in your life is first to love God, And then to love others in such a way that they might see not you, but see God. Know not you, but know God. Love not you, but love God. Thank you, one person clapping in this section over here. Over the last few years, there's been a growing strategy, a message, a marketing message that many churches have adopted called Making God Famous. On the surface, it sounds really good. God needs good PR, right? But for most people, when they hear that that they, they they hear that making God famous is the purpose of the church, they believe that what that means is making God look good. And that means that the church can only talk about our best moments, our shiny moments, our winning moments, our moments of strength. But God's word reminds us today that our worst moments, our lowest moments, the parts of our lives that we want to forget, and the parts of our lives that we hope everyone else forgets, even in those moments, actually, especially in those moments, God's power is put on display. And So my brother, my sister, I say to you today that the very thing that you've been ashamed of The very thing you've spent all your time trying to hide could be the very thing that God wants to use to heal you and heal somebody else. So whatever it is in your life that you keep playing over and over in your mind, the very thing that you think disqualifies you from God's goodness, the very thing that you think is the line, like there's no way God can love me because of this, Brothers and sisters, God's grace is on display in your life. If you would just acknowledge your stuff, I am weak. Paul doesn't throw a pity party. Paul's not sharing his stuff because he wants us to feel sorry for him. Because in the midst of acknowledging his stuff, Paul acknowledges God's grace. He says, I am also strong. I am weak. I am strong. I am weak. I am strong. Can you reflect on that with me? Those two things seem like they don't go together. Like, how can I at once be weak and be strong? But that is the beautiful dichotomy that is the gospel. That it's not about simply going up. The way to up is to go down. The way to be exalted is to humble ourselves. The way to win is to be willing to lose for the cause of Christ. And so rather than living a selfie life, Jesus calls us to live the cross-shaped life. If you want to win, you got to be willing to lose for the cause of Christ. If you want to be, have abundance, you've got to be willing to give to the cause of Christ. Paul reminds us today that we are able to pour out everything we have and be seen as weak because of God's grace which makes us strong. This week, I want to encourage you to reflect on what that means for you and for your family. I am weak. I am strong. I am weak. I am strong. Perhaps there's somebody in the room who's a creator. An artist of some sort. I would love to see some pictures come out of our congregation of what that looks like in your life to say, I am weak, but I am strong. Perhaps you're a writer. I would love to see some poetry, some spoken word, perhaps a short story to be produced this week from among our people where you explain what it actually means to say, I am weak, I am strong. I would encourage you to share that with your sanctuary family, either through our Facebook group or or simply emailing it to one of the staff members. God speaks this word to us, and I would love to know what that means in your life. I am weak. I am strong. Again, those two statements don't seem like they go together, but they do. It's a part of a beautiful thing that I've learned about the church, that things that we think don't go together, God often says, yeah, that makes perfect sense. One of the areas in my ministry that I've seen this be true is when it comes to ministry to adults and kids. In some traditions, in some cultures, kids and adults are kept completely separate. But we've been on this journey for a number of years here at Sanctuary, trying to not just keep them, not to keep them separate, but to find common space for adults and children. There's no more kid table and adult table. That's what we've been trying to build. And I'm grateful that we have grown to a place now that where we're not just doing this on Sundays, but there are many other places where adults and children are finding common ground. Pastor Rose is going to come up in a few minutes and talk about our life groups, which are kicking off this week. And I want to highlight two groups where folks who would seem like they don't need to be together are coming together so that they might grow together and pray together and share stories together. This year we have two intergenerational life groups. One that meets on a Friday night led by Sister Eloise and and Shamaria and and Leah and Chris Fulton. And then there's another that meets on Sunday, an intergenerational book club, where folks are coming together intentionally, where the wisdom of our, our elders and the strength of our youth might come together in a way that glorifies God. Weakness and strength, youth and wisdom. God is doing something among us that I hope we will be able to look past the labels and see that things that were once kept separate, God is bringing together for God's glory. It's just what Paul is telling us about. That it's possible to at once be weak and be strong because of the grace of God. I want to invite Pastor Rose up to talk about our life groups. And then I want to invite our worship team up when she's done to continue to lead us in worship. Can we give Pastor Rose a round of applause as she comes? Good morning,
1: church. Good morning again. Well, as uh, Pastor Edrin shared, our life groups really do serve as this main space where we can, as a church, start to take off the mask of our selfie world and start to live more authentically as a church community. And here at Sanctuary Covenant Church, if you've been here for any amount of time, whether it's been years and years or even just a few months, I hope that you know that discipleship is at the heart of who we are at Sanctuary. Amen? Discipleship is a core focus, value of ours at Sanctuary. And here at Sanctuary, our life groups are the main, uh, really the primary programmatic vehicle of discipleship. And as we all grow in discipleship in this lifelong journey of faith, it is life groups with the aim to connect, grow, and serve where we can most authentically uh, build this this community in this church Not based on a selfie kind of world, but on a community striving to worship and glorify God. And so our life groups really serve, again, to connect, grow, and serve beyond a Sunday morning. And it's my hope that not just an encouragement or maybe a suggestion that you might get plugged into life groups, but it is my hope and challenge that you will look and uh, pray intentionally about what life group is the right fit for you. So hopefully you got a menu of all the different life groups that we have offering Uh, this fall. We have almost 30 different groups, 30 different groups that you can plug into so there's no excuse that there's not something for you. (laughs) There are ample opportunities to get plugged in beyond a Sunday morning to really, if this really is your church home, to grow in community here at Sanctuary in that way. So you can get plugged in and signed up for a life group. Um, you can see um, on that menu that you can go online on our website. You can also sign up um, through the Church Center app. So I want to encourage you to do that. But we also, as you can see behind me, we have amazing life group leaders. Amen?
0: Amen.
1: Ooh. I want to be in, like, every single one of these life groups. <laughs> Uh, But we have amazing life group leaders. And so I want to just take a moment, if we have any life group leaders leading a group this fall, if you would stand, and Sanctuary, if we would show them some love this morning. Can you stand up? And stay standing. Stay standing, because we are so excited That you, that you have a vision and a passion to further this discipleship journey here at Sanctuary. That you have been given this this vision to help our church really truly connect, grow, and serve. And so it is an honor that we get to pray for you this morning. So Sanctuary, if there's a leader around you, would you stretch out your hand? We're going to pray for our leaders as they begin to serve this, uh, this fall. Lord God, I am so grateful for every life group leader that you have called, Lord God. God, we are thankful that you have called with intentionality and purpose these leaders. You have called them to lead with significance and purpose. You have called them to lead out of the gifts that your spirit has given them, Lord God. So God, we pray that they, in their obedience, that you would bless them, Lord God. Lord, truly, as we talk about this morning, in weakness, that you would make them strong. Where they lack confidence, Lord, that you would be made strong. Where they have barriers or challenges, Lord, that you in that place would be strong. So God, it is our prayer that you would lift each one of these leaders up, that they would, through your spirit and your strength, foster a place of connection foster a place of deep and significant growth and that out of that space Lord that we would serve you more fully and more faithfully Lord that is our prayer God I also pray for our church God I pray that you would help each one of us understand that we can't do this alone that you would strip that pride from us Lord to humble us To help us be vulnerable to step into a place and find community lord god we pray that each group would would sense your sweet and holy spirit that each group would sense the way in which you are calling and challenging them to connect to you and to one another to grow deeper in their faith and to serve you out of that joy lord god So, God, we lift up these leaders to you and ask, Lord, that you would be made strong through their faithfulness, through their leadership, Lord God. That we would come again to share, to testify the way in which you have transformed us through life groups, God. So, Lord, we give you our life groups and our leaders to you, knowing that you will strengthen, you will sustain And you will provide all that is needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.